everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJ Mike. I'm joined as always by the president of memes of Jets Twitter. It's NYJ Matt. Another sad defeat Tuesday that we're recording this podcast. Yeah, 31 13. The 49ers come east and they take care of the New York Jets. Opening to the game, let's get right into it. Obviously, the 80 yard touchdown is a complete gut punch. If you rewatch the play, <laughs> no one in their lanes, most are up the sideline, just breaks free. Yeah, Ogletree got picked off. Ogletree was running around in circles the entire day. The interesting part is, though, the offense in the first half looked competent and they moved the ball. And it came to the point that when Bosa goes down and Thomas goes down and Jimmy G's limping around the field, you felt like it was a weird game where the Jets were likely going to lose, but at least keep it competitive knowing all the injuries that they had and how competent the offense looked in the first half. Yeah, starting off the game, it seemed like the Jets were doing what they wanted to do. So last week we talked about, I was a little frustrated, and I think you agreed. Um, you know, you went down 21 nothing early to the Bills, and you didn't get to see, like, even if Adam Gase's offense is stupid and he's not an offensive genius, at least let's see what the offense that he wants to run is so we see what our identity is. Uh, so, you know, obviously the lack of receivers that the Jets have coming into this game that just pound the ball up the middle with Frank Gore, I'm okay with that. I get it. You know, it's not – we're not the Chiefs right now. We're not, you know, scoring 38 points a game. You know, we want our quarterback to be unleashed more. But it's difficult to unleash your quarterback when, you know, going into the game, you, you know, you're starting Brashad Perryman and Chris Hogan, and then both guys get hurt and you only have two other active receivers. You have Braxton Berrios and Josh Malone. Um, so it's frustrating, but the Jets did kind of what they wanted to do in the first half. You know, they went for, went for it on fourth down and didn't get it, and the big talking point out of that is the, you know, can Sam audible into a QB sneak? Um, they, you know, kicked a field goal. They drove down the field. You, you had tweeted out that you're going to take a fireball shot every time the Jets go three and out, and it didn't happen in the first half. So, you know, the Jets were moving the ball. Like you said, it was annoying to go down 7 nothing. But once, you know, Armstead and Bosa got hurt, I felt like the Jets could win that game. And then just couldn't get a stop, couldn't put the ball in the end zone. Yeah, in the first half, there was two questionable calls that I come back to. First drive, third and three, Frank Gore around the middle for a draw, no gain punt. It happens, try to catch the defense off guard. I'm fine with it. They were moving the ball that drive. The fourth down drive where, you know, third and one up the middle, no gain. Fourth and one up the middle, no gain. As you alluded to the, the non-QB sneak, you were next to me out loud. I said, the, the middle's wide open. Just snap it, go upfield. Darnold in his career has been very successful on QB sneaks. I think his first one ever, he went for two and a half yards, which I love that stat. But end of the day, that that didn't bother me as much as everyone else. What, what killed me this game was the missed tackles on defense. And Adam Gaze, as much as you can hate on him, he used to be okay in clock management, and he used to be okay in, you know what, I'm fine with going for it there. I take you back to Monday Night Football last year. He goes for it at the end of the half, and it, it, it's a very possible situation. You punt there. Gaze goes for it. And I'm just fine with coaches that go out and you know say, I'm not going to go ahead and run it and go to half. And Adam Gaze, this game, took all that out the window and, and not even clock management, just game management 
of punting down 18 points, going and kicking a field goal to make it from 21 points to 18 points, three scores to three scores. It's those decisions that make me want to light my hair on fire with the coach. Take play calling, take anything. The one thing that Gage was okay at was clock management and doing what was necessary, and he did not do it on Sunday. Right, so the exact situations that we really got annoyed with were it was four, the Jets were down 24-3 to three in the third quarter with seven minutes left on our own 44-yard line, fourth and nine, you punt, which is frustrating. Then you stop the 49ers, you get the ball back, there's two minutes and 52 seconds left. We're on, their, we're on the San Francisco seven-yard line, and you kick a field goal to make a three-score game a three-score game, and then, you know, his answer after the game was not sufficient. He said, uh, you know, it's tough to get nine yards against that defense, blah, blah, blah. You know, meanwhile, the whole team is hurt. It's the 49ers F team. Every guy is out. You, you, if, if you ask a casual fan to name some defenders on the 49ers, none of them are playing. You know, they're going to say Nick mm-hmm. Bosa. They're going to say Richard Sherman. They're going to say whoever. They're not playing. They're all hurt. And you just do that. Then you punt again, you know, fourth and five. You're down 24 to six with 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter. You're on your own 38-yard line. You punt. Like, what, what are the chances that you end up winning that game if you punt that football? Meanwhile, the defense can't go. Then the defense lets up a touchdown. Nick Mullins marches right down the field on them. Um, I'm annoyed at the defense in the first half. They just never had the ball. Like, we talked about the Jets move the ball well in the first half, and people on Twitter were like, big, you know, like – Yeah, we get you – know, we get against that. There's literally yeah. evidence that, you know – Goes against that. The Jets had a 13-play drive. They started off with a six-play drive. You know, they didn't go three and out, so you didn't have to take a fireball shot. They did the third and three draw. Then they had a 13-play drive, kicked a field goal. Then they had an 11-play drive that was a turnover on downs. And then it was the half. So what do you want them to do? And then it's just horrifying coaching. You know, it's very frustrating. And, I under, and, and you know, just because everyone hates Adam Gase, you have to look at facts. There has to be – you have to look at what is actually happening. So when you look at the current state of the roster on Sunday – and you're and literally once Perry Mayer Hogan get hurt and it's just Josh Malone and Braxton Berrios as you're literally your only two receivers that are, that are healthy. What are you gonna do? I don't know. You're gonna go for it on fourth and seven. Right. You're gonna you know not punt down twenty four to six. But when people are saying oh like open up the playbook with what? I don't understand. There's nothing to do. So. Uh, you're right. We're, we, we understand the lack of talent on the offensive roster to take those shots, right? You're two healthy dress receivers. We are more frustrated with kicking a field goal in that spot on fourth and seven. The, they lost a value in percentage to win. I think Samini tweeted it out. If they would have went for it there, it increases the value of like 0.2%. Whatever it may be, it, it's the right move to do. And it, it was a killer of a game. They brought up, of course, that he's an offensive guru one time. Fireball shot. Fireball shot. We, we, had, a, we had a ton of fun. Like, we had a good time. The, <laughs> the third and – was it third and 31? That um, was horrifying. Those are the moments where we talk about, can the Jets have one normal loss? We looked back on it, right? There's – you can look at the Packers, Texans, <laughs> maybe the Ravens last year. You just never find a game – where the Jets can lose, and it's not the most infuriating, horrific event. And I'm thinking to myself, when it was 7-3, to three, I was like, they might not be able to pull it out, but geez, this might be a game that this team competes tough to a good 49ers team, albeit they're hurt. And of course, they lose 31-13. to 13. They give up monster play after monster play. One came back for a holding, and then you have that 3rd and 31 go for 50-plus. 
look, as, as mad as I am for Gates, Greg Williams also horrific job this Sunday. And tough to play the defense, but if everyone thinks Greg Williams is the defensive god, I need more of that against a team that they have no one healthy. Right, and Michael Nania brought up a good point. He said the Jets are playing weird run defense this year. You know, you, like they struggled against Josh Allen in week one, but they, you know, kind of clamped down against the running backs. And then this week you had the 80-yard Mostert run. You brought up the 55-yard same exact play. Mostert scored again, and they called it back for a holding. And it was, but, you know, I don't know. Would Hewitt really have made that play? I don't know. Then you had the third and 31, 55-yard run. I mean – What's going on? It's a similar unit to last year. You lost Jamal Adams as you know your best player, but Marcus May has been stepping up and playing good football. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not like last year they just were loaded on defense that they were the ninth DVOA in football. Um, so you need more and just get off the field. It seems like every time it's third and eight, it's automatically a nine yard pass. Even third and thirty one, a fifty five yard run, and it's not even close. It's a, I, like once you know you knew he was going to break out. Like you, you see, once it was. Uh, it was uh, – who made the cut on that effing run? I'm so angry. Just stupid Jarek McKinnon who has, oh, right, who has right. won Achilles. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's very frustrating. Not a lot of good things happen in this game. Two positives takeaways, Quentin Williams and Mekhi Becton. Mekhi Becton has graded out PFF, number one offensive rookie so far. And our big thing about Becton is we thought he'd be raw in pass protection and dominant in run blocking. Pass pro has been his number one strength so far, giving up, I think, one pressure and has looked amazing, pancaking people left and right. Quinton Williams, we finally get to see that one game where he comes out and plays hard. Not only just meaningless sacks, he, he makes a big play on third down that takes San Fran off the field when they just scored a touchdown the drive before. It's a big game for Quinton and a big game for Becton. The, one, the thing that's interesting is this is – Something that really bothers me about football is there are way too many penalties. And I talk about this all the time in person. So one thing I noticed when Quinn got the first sack, when he like touched Jimmy G's calf and he kind of just collapsed, if that, like that could have been a, uh, a roughing the passer. And then everyone on Twitter would be like, Quinn sucks and whatever, you know, right. So he needs more production, but Quinn had a great game. There was one play where Trent Williams tried to just smash him and, and Quinton threw him off, beat a double team, went in for the sack. Like you said, he looked great. There's just videos everywhere of Mekhi Becton just throwing people on the floor. He looks like he's playing with, with children. Um, so those are good things. You know, the Jets' younger players playing well. Sam was really good. 21 of 32, 179 yards, touchdown, no picks, one sack. He made plays. You know, he, he hit Herndon with the – with the Ravens 2.0 touchdown where he rolled right and it's all over Twitter and Herndon, you know, dropped the ball. Um, and where is Herndon? You know, that's very concerning. What is going on? Well, wh- why can't he make a play? The Jets have literally two receivers. I've said it, of course, a thousand times. Everyone knows it. Wh- where is Herndon? He's supposed to have, you know, all these targets, all these catches. What is he doing? Is it Gase? He's been nowhere, and Gase all summer talked up how Herndon was a huge part of the offense, and he was a unicorn, and nobody could stop him. We, had four, we only had four targets. The, the good thing about Darnold, too, like you alluded to, I mean, the touchdown was great to end the game. I don't care if it's garbage time. It was a play inside of a game where the defense is trying, offense is trying, you score a touchdown. It's a good feeling. I'm seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter. Um, I know Connor Hughes, friend of the program, 
he's breaking down his feet a lot, and I feel like the screen grabs are taken out of context. Obviously, Sam's footwork, you can find clips of him in 2018 having better plays. You could probably find clips in high school of him having better plays. Things happen, the line collapses, people are running at you, and he throws off balance. We always knew that was a Darnold trait. We want him to do it less, of course. Another play I got sick of, I've, I've seen it 20 times today. There's a play of him getting, it was like, oh, Darnold leaves a clean pocket and makes a bad throw. He leaves the pocket. The guy is getting untouched from the secondary. And Darnold had great awareness. He steps out right. And at the time, the pocket was clean. A half second later, he would have been absolutely dead by a missed block on the inside. So I think some of the takes of Darnold's footwork and mechanics, as much as I do agree to be cleaned up more, that is not the problem. The problem is that the Joe Douglas front office did not set this team up to succeed in 2020. For sure. And it's very frustrating. It's very evident. Um, it makes you question what Joe Douglas's plan is. I don't know. I mean, you're hoping that he is looking to just load up the roster next off season. I don't like these takes of, I don't understand the Trevor Lawrence takes. I don't. I mean, I have it in the drafts. I continue to believe Joe Douglas views Sam Darnold as a franchise quarterback of the New York Jets. I don't believe he's setting up to failure just so he can run out Gaze and Darnold Darnold was one of the main reasons he took the job, and Gase is the only reason he really got the job because Gase ran McCagney out of town. I don't think he's sworn to, to Gase at all, but I think he just did a terrible job this year at putting weapons around him. All the receivers got hurt. You can't plan for that. And at the end of the day, Adam Gase is a terrible coach. So if you look at Sam Darnold, and, and if, if the Jets get the number one overall pick and they take Trevor Lawrence, I'm not going to be happy, but I'm also not going to be disturbed by it. If they actually have like the second or third pick and take Justin Fields or or I, I just can't fathom the world where they move off of Darnold or like I've seen scenarios where they trade up. They have like the fourth pick. They trade up to get Lawrence or Fields. That is complete nonsense. We've even if they have number one pick, we've been on the same side that you trade back, get capital and you build around this young stud. But I, that that growing group for the tank for Trevor it's starting to get bigger. And I don't understand after a week where he played pretty damn well, the sixth rated quarterback in the NFL per PFF. I don't, I don't get the hate right now. So what I don't understand is that if Joe Douglas is looking to rebuild this team and maximize his assets, why are you going to quote unquote upgrade, which we don't even know that that position with your number one asset, let's say the jets have the first pick in the draft Instead of trading back for a haul, a haul, you're going to get multiple ones. This, remember, we're talking about Trevor Lawrence. This is a generational prospect. Sam Darnold was also a generational prospect. 100%. You don't remember Suck for Sam? These people have the memory of an elephant. You know, these things happened two, three years ago, and I have to hear about this now. So Joe Douglas is going to give up his best asset, which you can trade for way more assets you can go into the next two drafts with three first-round picks at a time, and you could overhaul the roster. You could do whatever you want. The Jets have all the cap space. They have all the draft capital that you could ever want, and you're going to give that up to maybe upgrade the quarterback position? It doesn't make much sense to me. It and how much of an, an upgrade would it be in year one of two of growing pains of being in the NFL and not being in Dabo Sweeney's powerhouse team? It, it's, a, it's a real concern and I think me and you both agree. If Darnold just continues to struggle, you know, say Mims and Perryman get healthy, he just doesn't look it. 
if we had number one overall pick, we probably still would never want to take Lawrence, but we would understand it a lot more. I think people are way too quick to jump to that conclusion. Yeah, also, weeks. like, also I think, he looked good this week, Darnold. He looked great, and I also think elephants have a really good memory for your your analogy. What has a bad memory? Elephants hate mice. Maybe uh, <laughs> I think that's like. Uh. <laughs> I think elephants don't remember things. I think that's like a main thing that elephants are known for, or having. Maybe that's fan- why I'm thinking of it. So these people have the memory of an of not an elephant. Not an elephant. The whatever the opposite of an elephant is. Whatever. But Dude, I'm trying to think back to all the different like first overall quarterbacks. They were like the suck for Sam was a big one. Tank for Tua. Tank for Trevor. Get lucky for luck. I remember like every team, the bottom four each year. I know I can predict the future. The Giants and Jets are going to pick back-to-back this year. I don't know if it's going to be like 8-9. I don't know if it's going to be 4-5. But that can change heading end to week three. Playing wait, wait. Indianapolis Colts. Before I give a pitch on how the Jets are going to save their season. Bring it back. There's one more thing. So before the season, if you said the Jets are going to have the number one pick and, and go 3-13, and 13, I'd say it's either A – like a disaster injury wise or B Darnold just doesn't look that good. Oh, Robbie can just hit a homer. Nice. But <laughs> now I, I think there is a scenario where the jets go three and 13, four and 12. I don't think this is going to happen. I think the jets are going to be okay, but I think there's a scenario where this kind of thing happens. You have a really bad win loss record and Sam Darnold plays fine and looks good. Like, Darnold played pretty well in this game with nothing, and the Jets got blown out at home by the 49ers' backups. It is what it is. And there's nothing that I saw in the game on Sunday that makes me want to move on from Sam Darnold. So the Jets can do poorly this year. You know, I'm not going to sit here if Sam looks terrible. Like, if he plays like he did in week one the whole year, then you have, you know, there's some issues. And even though there's no, you know – roster around him i'm still not going to give up on sam but you know then you have to start thinking about some things and that's only fair you know i'm not, we're not, fucking, blindly I'm not leaving anybody we're not blindly defending anybody but when i look at what sam did last year and his rookie year and then in week two of this year what what makes you want to like give up your best asset to draft someone else in the same position when the rest of the roster sucks i don't understand i don't I, get it i'm not fucking leaving I'm not leaving. We're we're on it. I tweeted hashtag I stand with stand with I stand with Sam, and it immediately has like 40 people tweeting it. So we're starting a movement. We're not giving up on our guy just yet. But interesting to note, two games coming up: Indy, Denver. Denver is a short week at home, traveling west to east for Denver, and they're out. Drew Locke. They're out. Miller. They're out. Sutton. Denver's banged up. I, I'm already looking ahead to us absolutely murdering them in prime time and people starting to buy back into the team. But can we, what do you think about week three? I, it's an interesting game. The Colts are an interesting team because what they're doing right now on offense is not great for the matchup. Like, the Colts are, are holding on to the ball. Rivers has three picks, but he turned them over twice in week one. But they are pounding the rock now with Jonathan Taylor. They were with Marlon Mack. They are throwing the ball to their tight ends. They're throwing the ball to their running backs. Naheem Hines, Mo Ali cox Jonathan Taylor. Th- those are the three leading receivers in terms of receptions. So Phil Rivers is doing what he does. He's checking the ball down. You know, our linebackers are going to have to do something. I cannot watch Alec Ogletree run around like an asshole, not knowing what is going on. 
Can't have Avery it. Williamson to do something. One of these guys can't get hurt. I can't watch Harvey Lange try to cover Naheem Hines out of the backfield. I want to vomit. So the Colts are holding on to the ball. They are number one in defense right now in, in football. They revamped their defense a little bit this year. They, they got Xavier Rhodes. They have Darius Leonard. They traded for DeForest Bunkner, which was a huge trade. They traded a first-round pick. People were a little scratching their heads about that. He already has a sack and a half and a safety. They have Malik Hooker, that the safety from Ohio State, who uh, was a good player in college. Who got Hooker's out. I, to my knowledge, Hooker's out for Sunday. Good. Fuck That's them. good. That's good. Fuck them. But also, you got to remember, looking at Indianapolis, if the Jets can be competitive, I'm not asking them to upset them. I'm going to go into the game, obviously, the day, like the day of, and think that we're going to win. But 10.5-point underdogs are way too much for a team that, that needs to desperately win this game. The, the Jets are on life support right now. And if you don't think the players are going to come out and play hard for their jobs, Joe Douglas is going to burn this shit to the ground again. And if you're not a competent player, you're gone, and you probably aren't going to get a job in the CFL or XFL. So for, for Joe Douglas to come in here and, and, and he can tear it down again, I think a lot of people are going to be playing hard. You can't start off 0-3. Is it likely? Probably. But th- that team has to play hard this week. Well, it comes on to the defense, too. you got to set the tone early. You can't have these, again, 13-play drives. You can't let an 80-yard touchdown on the first play. Give this asshole disturbed coach that we have a chance and let this ridiculous offense, whatever we want to do. If he wants to run the ball up the middle 20 times of Frank Gore, fine. But maybe if we're not down every second of the game, maybe it'll work a little bit. Have a chance in the game. Go up 7 nothing. We have to be down fucking 18 to 24 to 3. You have to. You have to with this team. It's ridiculous. And you called it out right. You can't, they can't get off the field. And a huge part of getting off the field is missing tackles. The Jets are first in the NFL with 40 missed tackles. The next highest team is 29, the Chiefs. So they have 11 more missed tackles than any other team in the NFL through two weeks. That is the reason why they have to stay on the field. It's the reason why Darnold tries to press and become a hero every fucking game. And that kills it. I mean, we, we watched Darnold play hero ball. He has the league low in plays called. What do you, like, what do you expect him to do? It's a killer. Absolutely so killer. Let's control the ball a little bit, which is what the Jets were trying, clearly trying to do last game, which I don't hate. Like, that's what we talked about. The first half, we're okay with. You know, we want more results. But, you know, we had three drives in the first half. Two of them ended up inside the 49ers red zone. One of them is a field goal. One of them is an aggressive turnover on downs, which we don't hate. Maybe – Adam Gates should let Sam Donald call a fucking QB sneak. But you know, another I, problem with that is I'm hearing people go, Oh, Gates doesn't trust Darnold. Darnold's not the guy. You can't have it both ways. You can't call Gates a, a buffoon, an idiot, and then get mad that he doesn't trust Darnold in that situation. Gates is tied to Darnold. I, I promise on everything holy on this earth, Gates does not make it on this team unless Sam Darnold plays well. People don't get that. It's so we, obvious. What are they going to do? They're going to trade Darnold, and then Adam Gase is going to be our coach for five years. It doesn't make any sense. It won't. They're going to draft happen. a quarterback, and then Adam Gase is going to be the head, the coach for the guy. It, I mean, it's very a lot of inconsistent takes. But here's what I'll say, and, and I know we're probably going to wrap it up soon. I don't ever buy into the the Joe Douglas. I've said it before. Is like setting him up for failure this year. In the event that we really didn't spend upwards of $30 million to improve this roster at all. Like upgrades on the defense retroactively does help Sam Darnold and the offense. 
if they don't spend $30 million this offseason, which they didn't, and they go 2-14, and 14, and they ruin Sam Darnold and move off him and get some fucking Justin Fields guy, I will never forgive this organization. I will still be a fan. I'll still support them. But when my child grows up, I'm going to let him know that this organization completely ruined a fantastic football player. It's, it's almost incomprehensible. I always try to defend the organization. It just is the way I am. Uh, I try because, you know, there are moves that are made that they're made and I, I try to back them up, but it doesn't seem right this year. There's not, it wasn't right. Like there were some moves that should have been made that were even like small moves just to help the team that aren't, I'm not saying Joe Douglas should have been Mike Tannenbaum and, you know, you know, we wanted it, but we didn't trade a second round pick for Yannick or trade this for Trent Williams. I'm not like even whatever. If that doesn't happen, do something. Don't go sign fucking Demarius Thomas. If you have one healthy receiver, do something, do it, help the guy, help the guy. I can't why I, it's so frustrating because it feels like they just can't do anything on offense. What are they going to do? You have two small white receivers on the outside, Chris Hogan and Braxton Berrios. What are you going to do? Throw an eight-yard out? Okay, done. How many times are you going to do it? Every single time? Okay, then we're going to score 13 points and get our asses kicked. And that's it. it is what it is, and it's very frustrating. And I'm nervous for this week because the Colts' corners are, are, are solid, and they're going to run the ball down our throat, and we'll see if we have any kind of gusto in us to wake the fuck up and, I, and not be the 32nd team in football. How many times? Ten years? You know, I was thinking about this again. I've been a Mets and Jets fan really since 2006. So 2006, I'm like nine years old. So after that, the Mets and Jets have played 14 seasons. That's 28 combined seasons. And they made the playoffs four times. Four fucking times. And it doesn't look good for the Mets now. And it certainly doesn't look good for the Jets. So we're going to go four for 30? What the hell is that? I have breaking news. Joe Douglas must have heard us uh, about acquiring new talent. He assigned Bryce Hager, Noah Dawkins, and Blake hands to the practice squad so big additions to the practice squad for the jets they obviously moved a few guys to ir so open up some spots but good news lawrence cager is a protected member of the practice squad this week meaning it's very possible that he gets suited up for his first game why not he's better than no one let him run around throw balls up to him and in the beginning, I wasn't a big fan of Cager. I thought everyone freaking out over an undrafted free agent who had a history of drops. He had good size and everything, but he had no production in college, basically, besides a handful of touchdowns. I'm fine with throwing him out there. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, whatever. Cager's not going to save our season. We need to, we need our guys to get healthy, but I, w- I just, again, I just wish there was a more of a contingency plan. We talked about this all offseason. We wrote articles about it on our blog. If you, if anyone, if Crowder got hurt, we're fucked. If Perryman got hurt, we're fucked. If anyone, now they're all hurt. McGovern, so the, that's another thing. Jonathan Harrison, a per, like perfectly good backup. Darnold had no idea he was at the door. It seemed like Harrison wasn't expecting it either. And they have Josh Andrews who comes in and he is now your center. He, he will be the center for Indy the week. So if you look at that happening, think of, think of the play of Darnold's great touchdown last week. That was because Josh Andrews got absolutely blown up at the line and a free runner came in. I'm not thrilled about Josh Andrews being our starting center week three. 
Yeah, but at least that is a contingency plan. I agree with you. I'm not happy, you know, going into the game. But at least Joe Douglas said, okay, I'm going to sign this guy who I know from Philly, who I who was, you know, coached by a good offensive line coach in Indy last year. And we're going to actually sign him to be a backup interior offensive lineman. You know, I don't think it just anticipated Josh Malone being their number two receiver. But you got to have a more depth than that. You know, if two centers get hurt, fine. No team carries three centers, really. But to you know, your point, Josh, yeah. your point is the receiver is a bigger question mark because you have the capability of getting a guy like DT in here yesterday who knows the playbook and it changes sure. your team. Just do obvious things that can help. Obvious things. Maybe go sign Logan Ryan with the $30 million extra you have that you will have next year anyway. It's a one-year contract. <sighs> we still don't get how that cap works. but All right, so looking ahead to, to week three, the, my key of the game, the Jets – have to flip the script on on the ground. Have to flip the flip the script. I'm happy. I tweeted out before last week's game. I thought if Frank Gore got 20 plus carries, then the Jets would win the game. Just off, you know, based on the fact of time of possession and controlling the game. He actually got 21 carries and just got murdered. But <laughs> the Colts this year have ran the ball 62 times for 239 yards, so 31 carries a game for about like 120 yards, and they've only given up. 85 yards on the ground per game, so 171 yards. They've ran 21 more times than their opponents. They're, you know, gaining 30 more yards a game. You have to – you can't let that happen. They just have to get off the field on defense. They have to give Sam Darnold more than three possessions and a half. And if you're down by 14 points in the fourth quarter and this fucking asshole punts again on the Colts 42-yard line, whatever, 48-yard line, I can't st- – I just can't stand that. I cannot stand it. Try to win the football game. We got to, I mean, I'm not calling it a must win, but it, it's a can't lose. It's an absolute must win. It's an absolute must win. It's going to be hard for the Jets to go on three-game winning streaks throughout this year. After this three-game stretch, the schedule gets really hard for the Jets. It gets really hard. So, And, and even in this three-game stretch, because the third game is the Cardinals. Who and are they two are 2-0. Oh. And, oh, and they're about to beat up on, I think they play the Giants and a, a, another shit team. So. Yeah. So you could say maybe even a four-game stretch. You have the Colts, Broncos, Cardinals, Chargers. After that, it gets dicey. The Bills at Kansas City, New England. Then you have that stupid Miami double bye week thing, which I'm happy about. But you don't want to be 0-7 going into that. Whatever. I can't stand it. Just win this football game and just have a chance. Then you go play Jeff Driscoll or Blake Bortles or whoever is going to start in, in, in Denver. With Like you said, their whole team is hurt. A lot of injuries around football. You know, it's going to bother me a lot when people start telling me that there's no difference between Jeff Driscoll and Blake Bortles. That's going to be the new take coming across Twitter. Uh, You would rather play Jeff Driscoll than Blake Bortles any week. Blake Bortles went to an AFC championship game. He, the last time the Jets played Blake Bortles, he completely diced us up. I think you were at that game. He's the same person. So, I'd rather play Jeff Driscoll, who let's see what his career record is. It's probably hilarious. Oh, where's this scumbag? While Mike is looking up that, please One remember. Seven. Let me play Jeff Driscoll. <laughs> One and seven. Rate and subscribe to the podcast. One and seven. I'm not afraid of Jeff Driscoll week four. I've been saying week four since the schedule came out was the game that's a must win. If we could grab one of the first three, we can be two and two and start getting momentum. Over oh, two, two horrific games. Mike, it has been a pleasure, as always, to talk with Jets with you. 
We're looking to have another episode coming out later this week with a good guest and a mailbag. So episode seven is in the books. Mike, any last words? We're going to win this game on Sunday. (laughs) We're going to beat the stupid Broncos with their backup shit quarterbacks. We're going to turn around. But when we do, I don't want to see all these assholes on Twitter who are, you know, back on the bandwagon. I need a little more level-headedness out of my Jets fans. I need a little more optimism, It's but it's tough. I'll give the Jets fans that. It's not been easy the last few 10 years, but we're going to be okay. We're good. We're good. Don't, don't give up on Sam. Don't do it. Don't be we're, that guy because you're going to want to brew for him you know, when the Jets are in the playoffs. And I have the receipts. I have the, it takes me two seconds to go back to your Twitter and find all your horrible takes. Like I just murdered someone on Twitter this night. Don't, so. don't make Matt don't do it. you. Don't do it. Don't do it. Will. He'll find you. I have the Santa receipts. Claus. I will always find them. Yeah. I'm like Liam Neeson and Taken. <laughs> okay, we're out. But that's...